0: Hi, my name is Lindsay Adams, and you are listening to Mindful as a Mother. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for therapy or the therapeutic relationship, and the information given in this podcast is purely for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the advice of a professional. Hey guys, and welcome back. This episode has been wild already because it is 3 p.m. and I have been trying to record it most of the day. I have been having some major technical issues with my microphone. And I think it's because my kids came down into my office and played with it. But it seems to be finally working. And so I'm really excited to just be here and have it recording. This episode is going to be a little bit different, partially because I didn't have an idea planned and because people have been asking me about a lot of different little questions that maybe wouldn't fill up an entire episode, but are definitely worth talking about on the podcast. So I just decided to make a smorgasbord of random topics to talk about. So Here we go. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. The other thing I wanted to tell you guys is that our first guest is going to be on next week, and it is Tim. I'm so excited for you guys to talk to him and to hear what he has to say about mindful motherhood and parenting and to get his take on things because he definitely comes from a different background as far as like, he's not a therapist, right? So so I think it's going to be good. If you have questions for Tim, you can DM them to me at lins underscore Adams, LCSW. I also want to reintroduce myself. (laughs) So I don't check the analytics on my podcast very often, partially because I don't do this for that reason. Like I don't do this for numbers. I don't do it for money or anything like that. I just do it to try and help people and because I genuinely think it's a good time and I think it's fun. But I checked them this week just to kind of see where things were. And there are so many new people that I felt like I needed to go back and introduce myself for anyone who maybe didn't go clear back to the beginning to listen or doesn't know me and know who I am. So, one, thank you all for sharing. Please keep doing that, it is helping me so much. And two, I'm Lindsay. <laughs> um, I am a therapist who works mostly with kids and a mom living in Utah. My life is busy and crazy and I am really passionate about mindful motherhood or really mindful motherhood sounds really good. Uh pretty much what I'm trying to say is like being intentional and present as a parent and therapy and all of those things and so that's what this podcast is about. I can't remember if I said I live in Utah. But I do. Um, I live in a suburb outside of Salt Lake City um, in Davis County. If you're from Utah, you know where that is. And a big thing here is perfection in motherhood. And so something that I'm super passionate about and I will never get off my soapbox about is being like authentic and true to yourself in motherhood and being the best mom that you can be utilizing your own strengths and your own gifts instead of trying to be like every other mom. So that's who I am. That's what I'm about. I'm also really funny if I don't say so myself. And I really, uh, I love a good joke. I love a good mom fail, which we definitely will talk about. And I have a mild obsession with Post Malone. So here I am. And we'll just get into the first topic on this episode, which is what are my favorite parenting books? Something I get asked like probably weekly on my Instagram and i have a few. So the first is the conscious parent by Dr. I'm going to butcher her name and i am real sorry about it. Okay, it's Dr. Shefeli Saberry? Saberry? I don't know. Um her last name is spelled T S A B-A-R-Y. So embarrassing, hopefully. She, uh, well, I know she'll never hear this, so that's that's good. Um, I Some people think this book's a little new agey, and I'm a little new agey, so they're probably right. Um, and it can get a little woo-woo, I'm not going to lie, but I like the message behind it, which is pretty much like our kids are their own little souls and their own people and we should raise them that way like as their own little humans to be their own little humans and to you know to grow up to be who they want to be without forcing our beliefs and expectations and programming onto them. And so I would say that is number 1 my favorite. Second is The Whole Brain Child by Dan Siegel. Um you'll hear this talked about a lot in like the therapy community for parents. Um it's it's wonderful. Anyway, and I love that it gives you like a very concrete things to do that you can implement into your parenting. So, whole brain child absolutely recommend. The third is by Janet Lansbury. It is called No Bad Kids and it is a toddler discipline book, but I mean, I think it's great for any parent and then for, she has a ton of books though. So she has, so anything written by her is amazing and you should definitely check that out. She also is a great follow on Instagram. Her name is Janet Lansbury, L-A-N-S-B-U-R-Y. She also has a podcast and she's all about like respectful parenting and she has great tips and they're books that can be read in like chapter-sized chunks and you can implement things. So those are my favorite parenting books and I have read them multiple times and I will probably continue to reread them because I think it's a good refresher to just have it in the front of your brain when you're parenting. Next topic is forced sharing versus child-led (laughs) turn-taking. Is that what it's called child-led turn taking? I don't know. I saw a post on Instagram. I got to look to my notes. You can hear me flipping papers. I'm sorry. Um yeah, child-led turn taking. Okay. So I saw a post about this on Instagram and it it made many good points and I have tried to use this approach um for my kids since Sam was younger, but I think it's important like especially with siblings to talk about. And now that I have three kids who all kind of play together, it's become more of an issue, the whole sharing thing. So force sharing is pretty much when you make your kid share. So you say, so-and-so wants to play with that. Oh, you have to share with him. Um, Child-led turn taking is encouraging your child to take turns when they feel ready. And the premise behind why child-led turn-taking is more effective is because if you force your kid to share, it's not actually teaching them about sharing or wanting to share with others. It's just forcing them to listen to you. Whereas um, it being child-led means the child wants to share, wants to take a turn, and they learn to set boundaries with others. So what we kind of do when we force our kids to share is we set up this dynamic of them um, being, it being modeled to them that they should just someone asks something they should just give it to them right and while i think it's very important to be a nice kind human i also think it's really important to learn to set boundaries and so teaching our kids that it's okay to say you can have a turn when i'm done playing the next the other piece of that is if your child is the one asking to play and they are just given everything right on demand they will learn that um you know whining gets them what they want they, d- they learn that instant gratification is um, everything. And they don't learn to delay gratification, which is a super problem in our society anyway. We can talk about like fast food and DoorDash and all the things I use daily pretty much. And um, like technology is all like instant gratification. Like Amazon. Like we're so obsessed with instant gratification that... Um, teaching our kids to delay gratification in the ways that fit in is super important because we don't want our kids to grow up thinking that everything just comes to you right when you want it. As awesome as that would be, that is really just not how life works. Um, So yeah, you're rewarding behavior of the child that is whining. You encourage instant gratification. You're not teaching impulse control And you're teaching children that they can't solve their own problems. I like to try and let my kids fight it out is what I call it to Tim. Um, And part of that is probably because I'm lazy. The other part is because it's really important to learn problem solving skills and conflict resolution skills. And it starts as a toddler, right? So if mom comes to the rescue every time there's an argument, you're going to continue to encourage tattling and um, your kids are going to come to you every single time when they really could probably work it out on their own now they definitely need you to intervene sometimes and you should in those moments so if so i've talked about some of the negatives of for sharing for the child that wants the toy right some of the negatives for the kid that is being forced to share is they're not learning how to share for the right reasons. You're not showing them how to set boundaries. And you're kind of sending the message that what they're doing isn't important, right? Because you're saying, well, too bad. You're having fun with that toy. You need to give it to your sister right now. So those are some of like the ideas behind why child-led turn-taking is a thing and why it's something that people who are into like intentional parenting, respectful parenting, try and implement. So how do we balance these two things, right? Because I'm reading this post and this is how I even came up with this topic. Reading this post and I'm thinking, okay, great. I totally am on board with child turn-taking. I also want my kids to be nice and to share and to learn to put others first when they feel like it. Not all the time, but sometimes, right? And so how do I instill these values in my kid while also teaching them to set boundaries? And I'm gonna tell you how you do it. So the first is to prompt and encourage turn-taking. So you see an incident break out and they're fighting, let's say they're fighting over a truck. And I'm gonna use my kids' names as an easy way for me to give an example. Sam and Ella are fighting over a truck. Sam was playing with it first. What I will say is, hey Ella, when Sam's done with that, maybe he'll give you a turn. And I will prompt Sam to say, you can have a turn when I'm done playing, or I'm not done playing yet, but you can have a turn after. Then I'll say to Sam, when you're done with that, please give it to your sister. This doesn't make him share, but it puts the idea in his head that his sister's waiting for a turn when he feels ready to give her the toy. Now, when I first heard this, I was like, yeah, whatever. Like this isn't going to help the situation. They're both just going to cry. And Ella cried. Yeah. The kid that didn't get what she wanted right away cried and that was okay. And I validated her feelings and said, I know that it's hard to wait and to wait your turn. I have a hard time waiting too, but we can't just take things from people. So let's, let's wait and see what Sam does. Let's go find something else to play with while we wait for Sam. Whatever. Distraction is the key word here. So I found that when I do this, Sam, or whoever it is, is actually done playing with the toy sooner. And it doesn't become such a big freaking power struggle. He doesn't feel like I took the toy away from him. Um, so it's it's not an issue. So then he'll just give it back to him to Ella or give it to Ella when he's done, or I'll notice he's done playing with it and I'll say, Hey Ella, looks like Sam's done with that truck. Do you still want to play with it? Half the time, she doesn't even want to play with the darn thing anymore. So, But it does like create this environment where I'm not taking a toy from one and giving it to the other. Second tip, remove hot ticket items and use in one-on-one time. I couldn't think of a word for hot ticket items. Items that are commonly thought over. So tablets in our house. We have two tablets. (laughs) One is like, you're going to Uh, please don't judge me. One is like a second generation iPad that stays charged for like 2.5 seconds. The other is like a kid's Kindle. Um, We're not big on technology in our house for kids, but we have them. Anyway, so there's two of them and I have three kids. So this is the thing that is most fought over in my house. What I commonly do is I keep them, I, I don't keep them accessible to the kids. I keep them in my room or Most of the time I just put them like up in a closet and then I forget about them, but um, up in a closet somewhere or whatever. And then I will bring them out at times where um, it's likely to not be an issue or it's like appropriate to be on tablets. So um, a common time for tablets to come out is when Sam's at school because there's only two of them and there's two tablets. Sometimes I will take both out and they will have to practice sharing. But I control that environment and I know when I'm ready to manage that, right? So like I have set my mindset going into that being like, I'm probably going to have to break up a fight here and that's okay. And it's not on the day that it's five o'clock, I'm exhausted, Tim's running late and I'm burnt out and I'm ready to freak out. That is not the time when I want to be like mediating a fight over tablets. So just being aware of that, removing the hot items, using them in like one-on-one time with mom or just occasionally. You can set timers. And I think that this is, you can set timers for the hot ticket items. You just have to be ready to manage the tantrum at when the timer goes off. The more you set the timers, the more um, used to doing the timer system, the kids will be and it will get easier. That's the same thing with like prompting and encouraging. So like if you're saying, okay, we need to wait for Sam to be done with the truck. After a few times, the other kid's going to know that they will get a turn eventually and they will tantrum or throw a fit less usually. The third tip is don't expect yourself or your child to be perfect. You're going to have hard days. You're going to have days where they don't want to take turns. They don't feel like sharing at all ever. They are ripping toys out of each other's hand and there's not much you can do about it. And you're trying to just calm the chaos. And that is totally okay. It is totally okay to have those days and validate everybody's emotions. Validate your own that this is crappy and hard. Validate theirs that it's hard to take turns and hard to give up a toy that you like playing with and hard to wait your turn for a toy that you want to play with. So I think those situations can be easier to navigate if you're implementing those tips and just validating everybody. Another common question I get is, how much should I worry about my child's academic performance versus their mental health? And there is no right answer to this, guys. None. You just kind of have to look at your value system and your child and Parent them in the way that you truly think is best for them. Now, that being said, I talk to a lot of kids and teenagers about their grades. And there are wildly different parenting approaches to school and education. And that's okay. Um, I'm just going to share what I kind of think is my input on academic performance. And you can take what you want from that and know that If you do it differently and it seems to work for you and your kid, good for you. Okay, so my view on academics is that obviously you want your kids to do the work required of them, learn the skills and the work ethic related to skill, I also think our traditional education system is jacked and is not set up in a way that's conducive to how children are meant to learn. And so the grading system and standardized testing isn't set up in a way that accurately measures how smart your kid is, right? Like it just doesn't. We all know that like grades don't mean anything. Well, You know, all they, all they show is your ability to comprehend some information and jump through the correct hoops, which important skills, but it does not measure intelligence. So if you have a kiddo that is not, does not excel in the traditional education system, that is okay. And you're probably going to have to take a more flexible approach with parenting and grades. So here's my ideal approach. It is that the child is doing their work, turning it in on time for the most part. Nobody's perfect, right? And we shouldn't expect our kids to be either. And trying their best. Now, trying your best is the real subjective one. (laughs) So that's where, you know, there's arguments between parents and kids that they're not actually putting in the effort or trying their hardest. One way to measure that is like participation in class Doing homework, turning things in on time, and missing assignments. And so measuring academic performance rather than like a, you have an A, B, C, D. And from a, how many missing assignments do you have? What is your citizenship grade? Are you participating in class? Do you understand the information? Are you working on homework or classwork? Those things rather than just the grade level. Because we all know a kid that is just really trying their hardest in math. It's always freaking math and they just aren't getting it. And that's okay. They're struggling, and they're doing all their assignments, and they're turning them in, and they're getting a C, and they are worried that their parents are going to be upset. And that anxiety just creates more anxiety about math, when really we just need them to learn how to do basic math so that they can graduate. So I think having a flexible approach with your kids, for me, is my ideal parenting strategy. That being said, so say you have like a baby genius on your hands and you know that they're not fulfilling their full potential, then maybe you would expect Bs or As from them because you know that they are capable of that. And that works for you guys. Kids respond differently to different types of motivators and rewards. And so different things are going to be motivating And so I think just taking each child and saying, what is the best way to handle you in this situation? How do you learn best? Is the school system set up for that? And how do I measure, you know, the skills that I think need to be learned in school? And for me personally, those skills are less about math, science, social studies, and English and more about work ethic, trying your best, being on time, meeting deadlines, and all of those things. So that's why my perspective is the way it is. And you may have a different one, but that's okay. This is just a question I've gotten a couple of times. So I just wanted to share my thoughts on here. The most common question that people slide into my DMs about, I don't even know why it's called sliding into your DMs. I hope that's not a sexual reference, but, um, okay. <laughs> it is, does my kid need therapy? Um, And the answer to that is, if you feel like your kid needs therapy, they probably do. Now, I am super biased about this because I think every kid needs therapy because it teaches them super important skills for coping and it gives them a safe place to talk about things, another safe adult, a way to process emotions, and learn skills like communication and conflict resolution skills. So yes, I am biased towards therapy. The long answer to the question is that if your child is displaying behaviors that are not developmentally appropriate for their age, and you can like look those behaviors up and see what they are, then therapy could be beneficial. So if they are worrying excessively, having excessive amounts of nightmares, um, struggling with social things, having meltdowns, then yeah, therapy could be useful. And therapy, it's so stigmatized in our society. And my whole goal in life is to pretty much normalize having a therapist, normalize therapy, normalize all things mental health, because we all have mental health issues. Like show me a person that doesn't have a mental health issue and I will show you a liar because there is not one out there. Whether it's a little bit of anxiety or a little bit of depression or a partner relational problem or, you know, a bipolar or whatever, like everyone has something. Everyone has something they could talk to a therapist about. So I think we just need to normalize that and keep the stigma away from it and and talk about therapy, not as if like a, you're broken or you're struggling and you need therapy. It's like, this is another resource we have to get you support, get you more skills and help you uh, be like a cool, awesome adult that's well-adjusted, right? So kind of shifting our focus and the way we present therapy to our kids can be helpful. I got like a real off topic there. Oh boy. Anyway, <laughs> so if if you feel like, your kid needs therapy, they might, right? And you can look into what that looks like for you payment-wise with your insurance, things like that. Oh, now I remember what I was saying. Okay, developmentally, if things are not on developmental track, I think they're displaying behaviors that are not developmentally appropriate. Probably time to seek therapy. If you feel like what is going on with them is developmentally appropriate, but you have no idea how to cope with it, or you have tried everything in your power to cope with it, and you're struggling, therapy would be great for you or your child. The third thing is, is if they're having excessive stomach aches or headaches or medical issues that aren't an actual medical issue. I get referrals from pediatricians all the time because what happens is a kid will go into their pediatrician because they're having stomach problems. Nothing's wrong with their stomach. It's anxiety, and they'll send them to me. So just be aware if there's physical conditions that don't have a physical reason, if they are not developmentally, they're displaying behaviors that are not normal for their developmental age or it just feels outside of your ability to cope or you just like want them to gain some extra skills or something hard happened. They had a trauma, a car accident, a divorce, anything like that. Those are really good times to seek therapy and seek the extra support. So if you're thinking maybe my kid needs therapy, it wouldn't hurt. And if you have the resources, go for it. And if there aren't resources available to you, there's tons of like community mental health agencies, programs, and courses out there. I'm actually working on creating my own course to teach kids coping skills. So there's going to be more affordable things out there. But I, I mean, I'm always going to say yes to therapy. You're never going to catch me saying you don't need therapy. Those are all the random topics that I get asked about frequently. So if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate review, and share with your mom friends guys. I'm amazed at how fast this podcast has grown. I never thought that this would be where it is this soon. and I just am so thankful for all of you. Um Let's get to our mom fails. First one this week is I went to pick my son up from daycare. Just to find out, I had the day of the week wrong. He was at my mother-in-law's. They looked at me like I had lost my damn mind. Um, I have, (laughs) mom brain is a real thing. Like, people, yeah, dads don't get it. I don't know why, because we're the, we carry the mental load of the family. So we're, like, organizing, having appointments, working, doing all these things. And so it's easy to forget, like, what day it is, where your kids are, what's going on. I have driven to the wrong office before because I have two therapy offices. I have, yeah, I feel you mama. And I think that's hysterical. And I mean, at least you were going to pick your kid up on time, right? Because the another thing that happens is that we often forget kids. <laughs> so at least you were on time. Uh, my own mom fell of the week has nothing to do with motherhood. Well, kind of, um, and everything to do with just being a complete space cadet. So I just realized today, it is March 3rd, that my registration expired in January. I had no idea. I've been just riding around, riding dirty in my Ford Explorer, like haven't been pulled over, no idea what's going on. Like, oh my gosh, that's a human fail, I think. I don't even know if that's a mom fail. That's just like a human fail. And my favorite mom fail of the week is... The mom who made homemade pizza and was walking with it to the table for her daughter, it fell on the ground. She picked it up, put it back on the plate, and the daughter called her out for having dog hair (laughs) in the food. I love it. It's something I totally would do. My girls opened a bag of Cheetos, my favorite kind of Cheetos. If you haven't tried them, you need to try them. The Simply white cheddar ones, uh, dumped it all over the floor and I made them put it back in the bag and I may have had a few. So I don't know. I just wasting food is hard for me. So five second rule mama's five second rule. I hope you have a wonderful week. I can't wait for you to hear next week's episode and remember be peace, be love, be mindful as a mother. (music) If you want more of Mindful as a Mother, you can find me on Instagram at Linz underscore Adams, L-C-S-W. Once again, at Lins L-I-N-D-S underscore Adams, L-C-S-W.